Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Welcome to the Three Down Nation podcast powered by Jiffy Lube. He's Justin Dunk and I'm John Hodge. Thanks for joining us today on Wednesday. Today, we're discussing TV ratings for the CFL on TSN. Almondo Sewell calling out Trevor Harris. Shaq Evans suffering a broken foot. Ouch. Calgary and Edmonton starting 0-2. Yikes. And Liramai Rilahu working out for the Dallas Cowboys. But first, Dunkster, two-time CFL Most Outstanding Player, Bolivai Mitchell, has been placed on Calgary's six-game injured list after suffering a broken fibula. How much trouble are the Stamps in if Mitchell is out for an extended period of time? Mm, could be worrisome in Cowtown for sure. That said, I am a Canadian QB <laughs> backer, as everybody knows by now, and real curious to see what Michael O'Connor can do. That said, I don't think there's anyone in the league, even O'Connor himself, that is going to expect him to come in and play at Bolivar Mitchell's typical level. What we've seen from him in the first couple games was Obviously not his best, but then we learned that he was playing on a broken leg and tried to do so the entire game against the BC Lions, and the Stamps actually had a chance to win that game. So there is going to be a lot of worry around the Stampeders because they're already 0-2. That said, John Huffnagel and Dave Dickinson have gone through this different times before. This is even how Bully by Mitchell rose to stardom quickly was because he took over for Drew Tate, right? So right. he even mentioned in his media availability talking about the injury and the setback that the guys upstairs have a solid track record, I should say really good track record, of picking out quarterbacks. And there's a reason that they decided to keep Michael O'Connor and Jake Meyer and let Dakota Prukop go at the end of training camp because they felt that those two gave them the best options if indeed Mitchell ever got hurt. Which was a, a big surprise, to be quite honest. I know a lot of people were high on Dakota Prukop when he was in Toronto. Um, he's really mobile. Uh, he, he threw the ball well in the one start that he had in Toronto very late in 2019. Um, you know, a lot of people thought that's that's a stacked QB room. If you've got Bo as the number one, who's, you know, probably better than anybody else in the league. And then you've got, you know, two guys with CFL experience. But but clearly they love Jake Meyer. Uh, they they spoke a lot of uh, said a lot of really uh, uh, high quality things about him. I know Dickinson coming out of training camp even refused to install O'Connor officially as the number number two. He basically said, well, we're going to have a competition there. It's like, wow, okay. Well, Jake Meyer comes in, and if he's that good, I know they, they say he's a little bit like Bo and that he's brash, and I think he's got a little bit of an ego, not saying that's a bad thing. Um, so I'm interested to see if, if we do see any Jake Meyer, but man, I'm excited to see Michael O'Connor week three of the CFL season. That would be the second start by a Canadian quarterback this year. That'd be pretty special. 
It's the first time since when, Hodge? 2017 that we saw it happen, just in case anybody was wondering when Brandon Bridge and Andrew Buckley started (laughs) that year. And Buckley was in Calgary, and it should be said that at that point, people around the league were starting to view Buckley as a potential future face of a franchise. Now he's gone on to bigger and better things than playing football. He's a doctor, for heaven's sake, saving lives out there. But that said... You know Dickinson's not just playing O'Connor because he's a Canadian or because he wants the headlines. He's playing O'Connor in place of Mitchell against the Alouettes because he feels like Michael O'Connor gives them the best opportunity to win. And we've seen players in the past have success early. And Bolivar Mitchell said that O'Connor reminds him of a young Ricky Ray. Now, we're not saying he's going to go on to win four great cups and we shouldn't put that pressure on him, but he's talking about his demeanor. He's very calm, cool, collected, doesn't get hype, but he doesn't get down and negative either. Yeah, and him and Bo are kind of the antithesis in that regard. It's it's kind of funny. I, I was in on the media veil with Michael O'Connor, and I totally see that analogy. It's not just that he wears number 15, um, I totally see the. I totally buy the comparison. He's he's quiet for quarterback. He's he's relaxed. He's put back, but he's very thoughtful and clearly very smart. Um, so I, I'm I'm excited to see what he can do. And one thing I will say is is it's one thing to have two Canadian quarterbacks start in garbage time, like like it happened in 2017, but but to have it where you've got two guys in the first three weeks starting games that that's exciting especially when we might see michael o'connor make a big run of starts but we'll we'll talk more about the stamps later on in the show dunkster saturday's game between the tie cats and riders was watched by an average audience of six hundred and seventy-one thousand viewers beating the blue jays telecast by 45 percent the lowest viewed game of the week montreal at edmonton was still watched by a very respectable average English audience of 495,000 people, with week two averaging viewership of 571,000 across the board. What do these numbers tell us about the popularity of the CFL? The people really wanted to see it come back and watch the CFL, Hodge, and in comparison to some of the other sports leagues, the NHL and the NBA, namely, and even the NFL a little bit, their numbers dropped off that was mainly just really the nhl and the nba because it seems like every year the nfl numbers go up and a lot of people (laughs) will say well are the numbers really realistic because a lot of people are cutting the cord now and streaming games well you know i've been told by some respected people in the television and the sports media industry that the streaming numbers and yes the writers set a record for TSN direct streamers in week one, but they're not generally as high as you would think. So they're nowhere close to the television rating numbers at all. So overall, it's a positive for the league that the television numbers are up compared to 2019, because as I mentioned, the NHL and the NBA had issues with their TV ratings going down during the pandemic when people thought that they would explode because nobody had anything else to do other than stay at home and potentially watch sports. But clearly there's lots of options out there. I think what it does show is that for the riders specifically, that they can outdraw the Blue Jays in a time where they were going head to head. And some people said, well, the main fan base for the Jays is based in Toronto and Eastern Canada. And that game was at 10 o'clock on the West Coast against the Seattle Mariners. But still, head to head, beating the Jays, even though they play essentially every night of the summer, 162 games a year. The Rough Riders only play 
in a normal season, 18, and then plus the playoffs. Obviously, this year it's 14. Might make a difference there, but I think it's certainly notable. Yeah, I mean, there's there's one explanation for it, which is that football is better than hockey because that's true. Or football is better than than, <laughs> than than baseball, and it's better than hockey, and it's better than basketball. Uh, no hate to those sports. I'm just I'm just speaking facts. Um, but but you mentioned it with the NBA comparison, the NHL comparison, right? That's exactly what it was during the pandemic. There was no, like everybody was sitting at home dying for things to do, and you got LeBron James playing at Disney World, and people were not interested at all. Uh, relative, I, I don't know what the percentage drop was off the top of my head. I think I remember reading it was thirty percent. I'd have to do. I'd have to go back and double check that. But you know, for the CFL to come out and be, you know, almost blowing their their numbers from twenty nineteen out of the water. Like we're we're seeing increases regularly of like fifteen and twenty percent, and it's still a relatively small sample size. It's only eight games, but that's a super encouraging thing. And and here's the other thing that I think is really encouraging. Remember when the XFL came back, week one ratings were huge, and then week two, about half of those people came back. Well, week two was bigger for the CFL than week one by like 20%. Like that that means you're winning back everybody for week 1 and they're going out and telling their friends you got to watch the CFL. Like that that to me is the most encouraging thing. When you're growing from week to week instead of dying off, right? And all the hype around week 1 is dissipated, that's a really encouraging sign that I think CFL fans should be should be pumped about. And we should mention too that we're talking about the English television ratings that right. the Alouettes do their own broadcasts or have their own broadcasts, I should say, on RDS that are completely in French. They have an entire crew. Didier Ormajus, the excellent reporter for RDS, is involved in that as well. And generally, when the Alouettes are doing well, you can expect certainly that number is going to be in the six-figure range. And I would imagine that, let's say, for their opener, that it was around at least 200,000, if not more. So that's going to bump that Alouette's total number up and then the other games are available on RDS as well. I don't specifically know if they do the French translation, but they're still there. So we're talking just the English viewership. And in a bilingual country, it's worth noting that the French numbers on television will boost these even more. Yeah. If we're reporting ratings, for example, an Ottawa Montreal game, it's probably foolish that that you know we we generally ignore the French speaking audience, which is probably making up a, a good percentage of that. So that's an excellent point as well. We gotta take a quick break, Dunkster, but we'll be right back. All right, summer's coming. Are you ready to unveil that beach bod you've been working so hard to show off? You're in luck. Our friends at Manscaped just launched their fourth generation performance package, which includes the lawnmower four. Point oh, you heard that right. The 4.0. Compliment your summer bod with a trim from the leaders in male grooming. The sun is shining and calling your name, fellas. Join the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and get ready for hot guy summer by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with the code FANSIDED20. Want to take your grooming game even further to the next level? The Performance Package 4.0 also includes the Weed Whacker to chop down your worst weeds up top. The Weed Whacker is also waterproof and uses 9,000 RPM motor powered by 360 degree rotary dual blade system. This nose and ear hair trimmer provides proprietary skin safe technology which helps prevent nicks, snags, and tugs in those 
delicate holes. Ouch. Get 20% off for free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. Escape the shrubs and weeds this summer with Manscaped. Hodge, there are two 0-2 teams in the province of Alberta right now, which is a massive surprise given that Edmonton and Calgary were sexy picks to finish at or near the top of the West Division and compete for the Grey Cup. Which team should be pressing that big red panic button, (laughs) the Elks or the Stamps? I think the easy answer is the Stamps, given the injury to Bo Levi Mitchell, but I'm going to go on the other side here. I was on Edmonton Radio this week. And I think the Elks should be pressing the panic button, to be quite honest. They lose at home to the lowly Red Blacks, who, yes, I understand they're 1-0, and but yeah, they should still be number nine in the power rankings. Um, they need to hit at least 120 yards of offense or score ten or or, or score a touchdown. That that's 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 my marker for them to get out of the basement. But anyways, Edmonton, they've got so much firepower at offense. I think they have better weapons than anybody, to be quite honest. You got Darrell Walker, you got Greg Ellingson, Armonte Edwards, Tavon Smith, Shy Ross has come on. They really use him. Mike Jones, I think, is 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 showing what he showed in 2018 with the tie cats. You've got all these guys, and you have an all-star caliber quarterback in Trevor Harris. The offensive line's pretty good, and you can do nothing. Like that offense looks pathetic. And you got James Wilder Jr. out of the backfield, too. I mean, week one, they they used him almost like Winnipeg uses Andrew Harris, which on the one hand is great because Wilder put up great numbers, but on the other hand, it's like, but Winnipeg doesn't have these weapons in the receiving core. And Winnipeg, for the last four years, I don't think has had a quarterback as good as Trevor Harris. So to me, the the personnel and and the delivery does not match up, which to me screams scheme issue. And then, of course, you got the defense that got lit up by Montreal. And you got the special teams that looked horrible trying to corral Mario Alford. So if I'm in Edmonton, I'm pressing the panic button on the Elks. You mentioned scheme issue. How about this, Hodge? And I'm going to throw it back in the Elks' face. I think there's a culture issue there. Now, they use that as a reason to let go some players during training camp, most notably Vontae Diggs, who the Argos happily scooped up. That was what they told him to his face, even though publicly they came out and said, oh, Diggs is so smiley, brings all this energy. Well, that was complete hooey, to be quite honest. So, To me, there are a lot of worries, and people in Ottawa will tell you that we're around Brock Sunderland, and more specifically Jamie Elizondo, that they felt like his ego would get in the way. He's a confident guy. We've seen him come out multiple times during training camp, and then even after the couple of losses and talk about how they're going to deal with it and call out veteran players. But the results speak for themselves. And the play that stands out to me, Hodge, was the Sewell shot late on Harris, <laughs> even though Sewell called it the most BS call he's ever seen. He did hold <laughs> up, but it was a little bit late. I mean, in this day and age in football, you're probably going to get yeah. a flag. But do you recall any Elks player, let alone an offensive lineman, getting in the face of Sewell after that shot was delivered? I did not see a single soul. I, I saw Jamal Campbell basically annihilate opposing uh, uh, defensive linemen when his quarterback got hurt in Toronto. Edmonton, I did not see that. So that's the main issue there, right? Because there's some people that will tell you, well, in Ottawa, they had the same red zone struggles when Elizondo was the offensive coordinator and Harris was a quarterback. And part of the reason that the Red Blacks weren't willing to shell out the kind of money Harris wanted and that he ended up getting in Edmonton over $500,000 a year was because 
there were some within the Red Blacks that felt like Harris wasn't that leader, you know, an it guy like a Michael Riley, like a Bo Levi Mitchell, who's just going to have the locker room behind him every step of the way. And you mentioned it earlier with Bo Levi Mitchell being viewed as arrogant at times, but he's confident in what he can do. And I'm not sure that the Elks locker room is behind Harris because actions speak louder than words. You can step up to the podium and when you get asked questions about it, say nice things. But when your quarterback takes a late shot and you don't defend him, to me, that raises questions. It's a fair point. Jeremiah Mazzoli said he doesn't know why he wouldn't be the Ticats starting quarterback when the team returns from their bye in week three. Is that reasonable considering how poorly their season has started? I would side with Jeremiah Mazzoli, so I definitely think it's reasonable because he has not been the issue. Yes, he's thrown four interceptions, but he's been in situations where they've largely got into pass only and been forced to try to bring his team back. So that means you're going to try to fit some balls into some tight windows or take some opportunities down the field to get it going. He has dealt with pressure in his face on almost every single snap the Ticats have played on offense. And everybody's talking about the issues at tackle, which I think need to be fixed because they've rotated at left tackle now, at least for the first two games, Trayvon yep. Tate in game number one, Kay Okafor was there in game number two. Chris Van Zyl came back at the right side in the second game, but there's rumors that he might be headed for the injury list or might have had some issues there against the Saskatchewan Rough Riders in week two, but they have a new center. Darius Sirocco, a guy that was a standout guard, but he's never played the position before. So when you take a veteran like Mike Filer out of the mix, I don't think that's being talked about enough, Hodge, because Filer has seen all kinds of fronts over the years, got his guys ready and set up to protect and pick up the different blitzes and twists and variations that defenses throw at them. So I think they got to be better at that position. That's only going to come with experience, but certainly tackle is a major issue for this team, not Masoli. Yeah, and if you need any further evidence of that, you just look at how Dane Evans performed, right? In late relief, he he struggled just as badly. I mean, Mazzoli and Evans' numbers, if you put them side by side, they're almost identical in 2019. It's actually eerie the extent to which they basically won the same percentage of games through the same percentage of touchdowns, same percentage of interceptions, same percentage of yards. But then you look at the 2021 numbers and... They're the same again. They're bad, but they're the same again. And it's not like these two quarterbacks have forgotten how to play overnight. I agree, Dunkster. It's it's there's there, there's larger overarching issues with that offense that simply is not clicking. And to me, you're going to have to go out and look at okay, how can you better that tackle position? The major player that they lost was Riker Matthews, who went out to the BC Lions, and I think they're missing an ingredient. In the receiving core, that bigger, little more physical receiver that will go into the intermediate, the dirty areas, let's call them, and make catches. And there's a guy out there, Naaman Roosevelt, that I could think would do just that and complement Brandon Banks with Braylon Addison and Devere Posey on the six-game injured list. All right, Hodge, moving on. Almando Seawall made headlines last week. We touched on it earlier when he said, quote, Trevor Harris starts folding, end quote, after taking one hit. He doubled down 
on his comments following Montreal's lopsided win over Edmonton. Hodge, your question brought those out, and it was even on TSN, so props to you. And Harris was sacked four times by the Owls in that game, and after the first one, to be quite honest, Antonio Simmons took him down. Didn't look the same. Would you agree? I would, and Amado Sewell said that after the game, uh, saying, yeah, Trevor folded straight up. And uh, there was another thing that that Sewell said. I made note of it here. This is a quote. I don't make fake statements when I say something. I do my homework. I do my research. And that's what it is. End quote. I thought that was brilliant. Um, He did also say that he respects Trevor Harris. He didn't apologize for his comments, but he said something I forgot to say earlier in the week is that I do respect Trevor Harris. So I, I think he's coming at it from just a spot of genuine criticism which is something that you can do when you're 34 years old and you've been in the league for 10 years and you've been an all-star seven times. Like this is Armando Sewell just calling his shot, telling it like it is being honest and not a hater, just honest. And I do think that there's something to that criticism. Obviously he's talked to other people around the league. He's been a teammate of Harris. Um, He's watched Trevor Harris in this league for a long time. And uh, yeah, I, I would agree with that. He, he took a shot from Antonio Sibbins. He took a number of shots down the stretch. We already talked about the, the roughing the passer call that, that Sewell took hitting Trevor Harris. And so, yeah, I, I think it was a perfectly fair thing to say. It's harsh, but it's fair. And it's up to Trevor Harris to, uh, to get rid of this reputation where after taking hits, he starts to fold because he didn't look great down the stretch in that game against the Alouettes. It may be harsh, but this is what we want more of. So when we get the goods and we get a guy like Sewell playing the head games, this is all part of trying to get a win. That's all Sewell's thinking about, to be quite honest. And there was a bunch of media out there that's like, you know, he shouldn't say this or it's rude or disrespectful to his former teammate. Well, if that's what he thinks and that's what he thinks and believes can help the Alouettes get a win. I'm all for this, man. Let's have more of it. If it's real, if it's raw, if it's honest, I thought that it brought up the level of intensity going into that game and the intrigue, I should say, for people to watch it. Maybe that's part of the reason that the television number (laughs) was so high on the English and the French side. But overall, I have no issue with what he said. It's not harsh. If that's what he feels and he wants to play head games with Trevor Harris to try to get an advantage when they take that first snap, all the power to him. And again, it's up to you if you're the subject to criticism to step up, right? And make something happen. If somebody says, oh, Justin Dunk, you know, he, he could never break a scoop. Well, just wait 24 hours. It's going to happen, right? That, that criticism, you can flush it. Uh, if the criticism seems valid or seems warranted, then then again, yeah, it's up, it's up to you to prove them wrong. And I'm, I'm looking for Trevor Harris to lead his team to a win um, and do so in, in that heroic leadership fashion that is expected of franchise quarterbacks, even taking hits. Shaq Evans, Saskatchewan's number one receiver, has been placed on the six-game injured list with a broken foot, suffered while he was blocking down the field. How will the Riders make up for his absence in the starting lineup? The answer short is that they're not going to be able to make up for it overall because Shaq Evans was in 2019, the best deep ball threat in the league. So there's no one in that core with that kind of speed that can get down the field like Evans that said how they will fill his spot looks to be a couple of options. Mitchell Pickton played in his spot 
in week two against the Thai Cats, caught his first career touchdown. Kyron Moore was so happy about it, said it made his entire night. Cody <laughs> Fajardo was raving about the Prairie Pass catchers because Braden Lenius had a touchdown in week one. Then Picton gets his, both Regina boys, back-to-back weeks. So they're going to look at, you know, Picton potentially playing more. But I think Jordan Williams-Lambert playing in Evans' spot and Paul McRoberts coming into the lineup as another American because Evans will be out of the lineup as an American makes a lot of sense. Although I'm not opposed to seeing Picton get more snaps. He's not going to stretch the field like Evans. He's probably quicker than fast. But there are multiple ways they can go here. And they have some talented Canadians in the receiving court. They need to lean on them. And there's a little bit of talk around Saskatchewan about the Canadian Air Force, or dare I say maybe the Saskatchewan Air Force, taking right. off there. So let the boys fly. Yeah, I, I think that's how they'll do it. I, I remember preseason uh, Craig Dickinson speaking really highly of Paul McRoberts. There were lots of days in camp where Jordan Williams Lambert was not available. He cut his hand. I think he did a knee at some point, mild injury, but still McRoberts worked with the ones through most of the camp and McRoberts was on the rider PR in 2019. So it's not like he's a fresh face to the CFL who's only been in you know, been in the league for six weeks, dating back to to camp's opening. So I'm excited for what he can do. A lot of people seem to be high on him. I just wonder, you know, what extent can these guys really, uh, you know, really replace Shaq Evans? Because as you said, Dunkster, I don't think you really can replace Shaq Evans. The question is, are they going to be 90% of Shaq Evans? Can they be 80% of Shaq Evans, 50%? Um you know, we haven't seen McRoberts, so I don't want to answer that question right now. But certainly uh, losing your number one receiver is is tough. And Shaq Evans, I think you could make an argument that he's the best receiver in the CFL right now. Um, so, yeah, it, to what extent is he going to be truly replaced? That's a very valid question. It certainly is. And we're going to find out because with that broken foot, head coach Craig Dickinson put a six to eight week timeline on it. So that could be even longer and you get into that range now and you look at the compressed season obviously only 14 games Haji you've already played two and if he's out for the higher end of that eight which if you're winning games you can allow him to be out longer make sure he gets back to 100 that's going to be 10 ball games that have passed so essentially you know if he does get back on that high end of the timeline he has four regular season games left to get revved up for the playoffs I think they have a lot of talent in that receiving core and with the way Cody Fajardo is throwing the ball plus mixing in his legs, that they'll be all right. They were still able to put up points in that game and are the only team in the league, Hodge, to hit the 30-point mark in the first two games of the season. So Fajardo has the offense rolling. Evans would certainly help, but they can still be dynamic. We got to take a quick break, but when we come back, it'll be time for Hodge's Heritage Moment. Welcome back for Hodges Heritage Moment. On this day in 1985, Tony Gabriel was inducted into the Canadian Football Hall of Fame. The native of Burlington, Ontario, was an eight-time CFL All-Star who spent his career with the Hamilton Tiger Cats and, and Ottawa Rough Riders. The four-time Most Outstanding Canadian recorded 614 career receptions for 9,832 yards and 69 touchdowns, retiring as the third leading receiver in CFL history. The Syracuse product was named the league's most outstanding player in 1978 and was a two-time Grey Cup champion, winning in 1972 and 1976. His number 77 was retired by the Rough Riders following his career 
a recognition that is still upheld today by the Ottawa Red Blacks. Dunkster, is there any Canadian receiver ever better than Tony Gabriel? Ooh, that's hard to say, man. With those numbers and what you reeled off there, I'm going to say at this point, no, we haven't seen one. Yeah, four-time Most Outstanding Canadian is ridiculous. And you know what else is ridiculous is the amazing service that you can get at Jiffy Lube. Anything you need done for your car, getting that automobile working right, working great, ready for summertime, even going into the fall. Check out Jiffy Lube. They've got outstanding service. They'll do you right. Yeah, man. Everybody heads back to school in the fall, Hodge, and you get your new stuff for your kids. Or if you're going to university, right, you're getting your gear. Well, you got to make sure that your wheels are well-oiled and the whole car's well-oiled so you can get <laughs> to where you need to go in the fall time, man. So head out to Jiffy Lube. In and out in 15 minutes, you need a fresh oil change or whatever the heck else you need. Stop by there quick. In and out in a Jiffy. I don't think your wheels are supposed to get oiled, but that that's maybe more of a reason to let the pros handle it. They'll they'll <laughs> yeah. set you right. Go to Jiffy Lube. They know what to do. Don't have just a dunk oil your wheels <laughs> in your driveway. Take it to Jiffy Lube. They'll get it right. It's now time for the three minute drill, powered by Jiffy Lube. The Cowboys invited Canadian kicker Liram Hirolahu for a workout. Does he deserve to get signed? Yes, man. All this guy needs is a chance. He beats out. Sam Solomon last year with the Los Angeles Rams, but because of politics they go with him, just give the man a chance to kick. The Argos released veteran pass rusher Odell Willis. Is this the last we've seen of him? Willis has had a great career, but he started to look like he was at the end of his run in 2019. Frankly, I'm surprised he got signed this year. MLSE will require proof of vaccination or a negative COVID test to enter their facilities as of mid-September. Is that free? is that fair? Certainly, as you want to make sure anybody in your facilities is feeling safe, I like the move by MLSC. As per CGME's Brady Lang, nine COVID cases were linked to the Riders' home opener on August 6th at Mosaic Stadium. Are you surprised? I am shocked that the number is only nine, frankly, given that there were 33,000 people there and no vaccine requirement. That's what I'm surprised about. Not that there was COVID, but that there's not more COVID that's coming as a result. Star Canadian receiver Chase Claypool suffered an ankle sprain in training camp with the Pittsburgh Steelers, though he's expected to be fine. Do you think he'll have another huge season? I can see it, man. As long as Big Ben Roethlisberger and his arm can hold up for the whole year, Claypool's got that second-year sophomore superhero kind of potential. Blue Bombers released former NFL receiver Cam Meredith from the practice roster, but could he be back in the peg this season? Huh? Maybe. I know he's been hurt a lot of the time, and frankly, I think they like some of their young guys more than him. So possibly he's living in the city, but I wasn't shocked to see him get cut. The LA Rams waived former CFL All-Star Derek Moncrief. Is there a chance we see him come back north of the border? There's always a chance. But I'm sure he's going to exhaust NFL opportunities. He made his NFL debut last season. He'll want to see if he can get another game or more games and make a more permanent career down south before he comes back north. The BC Lions cut struggling kicker Takiro Yamasaki. Anyone out there shocked, though? Well, when you're missing field goals from within 40 yards, no, you, you can't be shocked. 
Modog has installed the Saskatchewan Rough Riders as the new favorite to win the Great Cup at plus 300 Dunkster, even without Shaq Evans. Is that a good buy? It is, man. When you're looking at these odds on Bodog, everything is in the plus. So it's not like you're giving up any juice to put some money down. And the way the riders are rolling with Cody Fajardo right now could be a savvy investment. Rashid Bailey got a shout out from rapper Meek Mill after scoring his first CFL question. No what comes to mind for me, Hodge? Where is Drake <laughs> with his shout outs for guys on the articles? It's a fair question. I will acknowledge I had to Google who Meek Mill was. But credit to him. He's got a big following. That's awesome. Finally, Dunkster, you obtained the entire document for what the league's new protocols for vaccinated players are. What's the best part? Players can golf and play ping pong together. I would love to see some of those competitions that are going on inside <laughs> locker rooms on the ping pong table. And to be quite honest, in the first place, they should have been able to golf together. That would have been just fine, wouldn't it? Even with COVID-19 around, any outdoor activities have been all right, at least in Ontario for the last few months, although Dougie Ford didn't want us doing that before. <laughs> One would think that golfing is fine, and I'm, I'm glad that they could do it now. On that note, we thank you as always for listening to the Three Down Nation podcast. We'll see you next time. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.